the world. All right, everybody, welcome to Studio B, our weekly podcast. Thank you so very much for joining in again with us. For those who are watching, make sure you go to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and to our YouTube page. Click subscribe, then click that little bell to the right to make sure that you do not miss any of the topics that we will be discussing on Studio B. Bold, balanced, and relevant topics that hit Main Street that go directly to where you are staying Mm -hmm. to um, uh, unapologetically talk about things that are going on in this world and merge them with a biblical worldview. And today, 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 I have a a great guest uh, in the studio with us, uh, Mr. Shannon Shorter. Um, a young man that I've come to know, uh, come to know here very well over the past, I think, eight years, seven, mm-hmm. eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, a member here at the Church of Bethel's family, and this brother has a um, absolutely amazing story that I'm excited to get into. A professional basketball player um, has followed his dreams and is achieving high levels of success in his chosen field. And so I wanted to bring him on to Studio B today to talk about a couple of issues that I know is going to resonate within the hearts of everybody listening. So, Mr. Shannon Shorter, thank you very much for joining us here on Studio B. How you doing, man? I'm good, Pastor. You doing really good? Appreciate you. Yes, Absolutely, sir. man. So, let me just kind of uh, let me let them introduce introduce yourself to the audience. Okay. Give us a little bit about yourself and where you play basketball at professionally, and just uh, let us know about yourself. Um, okay. Um, I'm Shannon Shorter. You know, and um, I've been knowing Pastor Holman, like he said, about seven eight years. It's been a blessing in my life. Uh, I'm from A-Leaf. I grew up in A-Leaf. Grew up in Houston, Texas. Single parent household. Me and my siblings, I have an older sister and an older brother. Um, I've been praying professionally. This season is nine seasons. It's crazy to think about it because where I started and what um, transpired to get me to this point. Um, I've been all over the world, like really all over the world, from South America and Mexico, Argentina, Ecuador to, you know, Europe where I was in Turkey, France. Um, I played in Israel for a few years. Um, and then all the way down to Australia. I played in, in Asia as well, South Korea, China. So uh, God has taken me a lot of places. Man, uh, that's a good word. Now, I want to I wanna make sure that we um, come back to that journey mm-hmm. because I think the journey is going to be a very important issue that we discuss here today. But let me kind of get your 30,000-foot view of what's going on in our nation. Of course, we're in a time... Um, to where um, we got social unrest, we got COVID-19 over here, mm-hmm. we got a whole lot of different things kind of, uh, seemingly merging together all at one time. Um, the world is changing right before our eyes. Uh, but what's some of your views on what's going on in our society today? Um, I just think um, the leadership at the top, starting with President Trump and just trickling down, has been pretty ineffective. So it, I, I think it tends to lead to um, show people, like, how to react. And they're reacting how the president is is, uh, reacting. He's showing a a lot of lack of emotion, like he really doesn't care about what's going on. If you really have to cancel out the leading um, disease expert in in, in the country and basically say, like, we're not taking his his advice anymore because of a— Disagreement you and him have, knowing that people are looking at you right now to, to just kind of like mitigate the situation, just let us know you know everything gonna be okay. But then I think it just goes back to, um, who are you putting your trust and your faith in as well? That's why you can't trust a man. It's better to take refuge in God. Mm-hmm. And um, if you stay in your word, I feel like you have a peace upon you that, well, you realize that nothing new is under the sun. Absolutely. And 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 God is always in control. And so to that point, um, and this is where the conversation is going to kind of drive us in a direction that hopefully will uh, end us in a place to where we can uh, encourage people to, uh, no matter where you are in life, no matter what you're going uh, through in life, that there is opportunities that are available for all of us. And Shannon, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you uh, on the show is because you have a very unique journey. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe in this context that it's not really unique because many people have kind of experienced that same um, that same effect. You come from a single-parent household, so yes, you didn't sir. know your father. Or did you know your father? I did know him. Okay, was he involved in your life? No, sir. Okay, to what degree? You knew him, never met him, never spoke to him. What, um, what, what he, does that look like? He came around a few times. Okay, so you had a working knowledge of who he was. Right. Okay, but it never really developed into a father-son kind of relationship. Uh, yes, sir. Is he still around today? 
Yeah, yeah, he he's okay. still alive. And so, so kind of talk to a little bit about how that affected you not having your father in your home. Um, I just think, like, you know, my mama did a phenomenal job being the strong woman that she was, especially with me, you know, because growing up I was a, as she would call it, a troublemaker. You know, I wanted to get involved in a lot of things that's against who I am today, for sure. And um, I just think having a male figure there, having a ma- somebody who understands you, who, who you can just talk to about life and they can give you um, – Examples of what they've been through because they probably been through the same things you've been through mm-hmm. as far as the adolescence and et cetera. Um, your mom, a woman, can't really help you in that perspective. Yeah. You know, and then just the fact that he wasn't there, um, I feel like that led me to seek counsel from individuals, you know, in my neighborhood, in my mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. you know, and that can be a, a backdrop for disaster. For sure, but I had a strong will, Mama, um, and she really instilled in me a lot of discipline, especially her and my grandma and my sister, actually. But you know, obviously, I came up under my mom, mother for sure, and she just really um, was patient with me and um, was a mother and a father. So, have you come to a place in your life to where you've um, come to a peace that your father wasn't in your life, and uh, how's your relationship with him to this day? Yeah, I actually uh, I called him like two weeks ago. Okay. We met up for dinner, and um, I had a conversation with him. And, I mean, I I didn't know really really what to expect, but I kind of had a, a thought process of what it will entail, and it, it pretty much entailed everything I thought it would. And I don't have no issues with him, not at all, not one. I mean, you can't really fault somebody for what they was going through in their life at that moment in time mm-hmm. and how they reacted to certain situations. You know, everybody reacts differently. Um, but I don't I don't have any ill will toward them or nothing like that. So you've come to a place of peace with your relationship with your father? For sure, okay. especially with that last conversation I had okay. with him. So that really just kind of allowed me to understand, get, just get his perspective. And just really, I asked him straight up, why weren't you there? Okay. And, um, I mean, he really just put it on my mother okay. rather than taking ownership okay. and just saying, you know, I just, whatever it could have been. And that just really just let me know, like, um, where he stood with it. So, in that degree, or to that to that point, uh, Shannon. So, when you got all of these different variances coming up, you know, you grew up in a leaf. You got your mama there. Your mama loves you, of course, undoubtedly. Um, but as you said, there's a perspective that a woman, no matter how much she loves a mother, no matter how much she loves a son, there's a particular part of that son's life that she can't necessarily guide him in. Um, because she's not a man. She's not the father. Right. To no fault of her own, you know, our moms, I come from a single mother uh, household, and so, you know, our moms do the absolute best that they can working with what they got. But there is a portion of us that goes unfulfilled because the male figure is not there. Right. And one of the things that we're talking about in having this conversation around now is how this particular, we're talking about a pandemic of COVID-19, mm-hmm. but there is a pandemic of absentee fathers in the black home. Right. And I believe that it is causing immeasurable harm. Um, because whether we want to acknowledge it on a high level or a subconscious level, not having that father to play a pivotal role in our lives does cause some negative consequences. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so one of the ways that we can close the gap uh, in black America is to address this issue of fatherlessness. Now, as we said last week on the podcast, is you being born into a single parent household a death sentence? By no means. And we'll talk about that with your life. But it is um, something that we have to discuss within our community. So you didn't have your father in your home. And can we kind of get down to the meat and potatoes of your your story? Yes, sir. Okay. So um, when I met you about seven, eight years ago here at the Church of Bethel's family, you were were going through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, You were going through. Um, And can you just talk a little bit about that, man? Because I want to chime in on that um, because I want people to see that no matter how low you may get in life, Mm -hmm. with a proper perspective and a proper proper belief in God, anything is possible. So tell us a little bit about that struggle. (laughs) You're taking me back. Um, So I graduated from college. I went to the University of North Texas, graduated in 2011, and it took me about a year and a half before I got my first opportunity to play. So within that year and a half, I came home. My sister brought me. I I came to Bethel family through my sister. And probably two weeks later, I joined the church. And um, I built a relationship with you, with Pastor Scott, with Pastor August, Pastor Lee, Deacon Booker. And weekly, I would come meet with one of Mm y'all, you know, just to get 
uh, I guess you can call it encouragement, you know, because it says we are mutually encouraged by one another's faith. And if you see black men that's like pushing forward in, in the call of Christ and really being honorable men and, and that's where you're trying to get to and you're trying to live a life of, of integrity and, and of purpose and fulfilling what God's called you to do, you need those examples. So me sitting down having conversations with you and you know and and everybody else that I mentioned, it really uplifted my spirit because I was telling stories about what I was going through. So um, I was working out like four and five times a day, you know, um, starting at like five a.m. and then like five p.m. Um, it was times where I had to make you know hard decisions whether I'm gonna go to workout or whether I'm just you know get something to eat. After workouts, I would sleep in my car sometimes just to stay at the gym to prepare for the next workout rather than go all the way home because guy. Excuse me, gas at that time was, you know, very expensive. And I sometimes sleep in the gym after workouts. I had a good friend named Tony who who ran the gym. He'll just, you know, say, Shannon, you know, you can go in the corner. We'll put you, you know, I got a little mat over there for you. You know, the next workout in a few hours, you know, and I'll pack a lunch. And um, that was really my daily routine every day, you know. And um, I had a good friend named Steve Walton. This a year and a half in. My mom had just, I had a conversation with my mother and she told me, Okay, it's been a you know a year and a half, you know maybe you need to start looking into the field with your degree and etc. So I wouldn't say she was giving up on me, but she was just really just looking at it from like a motherly perspective, mm-hmm. trying to show genuine love. Mm-hmm. And um, but I had a piece about my situation when I was going through it. It was it, it's something I really couldn't explain. And I prayed a lot, I fasted a lot, I had a lot of a lot of conversations with God. And coming out of each conversation, I just felt like Shannon, you're gonna be all right. And um, so I had a good friend named Steve Walton. This a year and a half in, he invited me to go to uh, um, travel to in Mexico. And uh, you know, I really didn't want to. You know, I really didn't want to go initially. And he, you know, this was like on a Monday. Later in the week, on that Friday, he 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 called me. He said, "Well, he told me just think about it." He called me that Friday, said, "We leaving in the morning. Meet me at such and such place." And um, you know, I had prayed about it, and I said, "I mean, what do you have to lose?" You know, this you know, this opportunity, this is what I tell people all the time, especially like my my little friends that look up to me. I tell them like you can't miss any opportunity. Cause you don't know what's on the other side of the opportunity. So had I missed that opportunity, I really don't know where I'd be right now. And we went to Mexico, we played the team that just won the championship the season before. And I, I played really well. And um right after the game the GM uh came up to me and took down my information. And once he took down my information, I didn't really think much of it because I had been through that situation before. I come back to Houston. He called me like three days later. was like, hey, Shannon, I got a team for you. You know, when when can you leave? I told him I can leave yesterday. So I don't hear from him for like a week. That next Friday, um, I call him. It's like 11 o'clock at night. It's crazy. And I just had a conversation with my mother. She, you know, she asked me, okay, what's going on? When are you supposed to be leaving? I don't have the answers. So I call, I call you know, the GM. And, you know, he picked up the phone on the first one. He's like, hey, Shannon, I was just about to call you. I sent your ticket to you. You leave at 4 a.m. And I'm like, what? So, I, you know, I tell my mama, and, and the crazy part about it, my mama didn't, she, she didn't believe me at first. You know, she was just like, ah, you just talking. So I go in my room, start packing my bags. She coming up. She said, oh, you really leaving? I said, yeah, mama, we on. And um, she took me to the airport. Obviously, she got very emotional, you know, and I just told her, Mama, we on now. Like, this is the opportunity we've been praying for. My first opportunity in Mexico, I only made $500 a month. Mm-hmm. I got the team I signed to, they traded me to the worst team in the league, and that team traded me to, quote-unquote, another worst team. And it is it can really do something to your, your mental if you, you know, you sign with a team, you get traded to the worst team, then you get traded again. So my first... Maybe two weeks in Mexico, I was traveling for the first 10 days. I had, um, I got real sick. And then, so I go to the train station and I meet my coach. His name is uh, Luis Garcia. Never forget the man. And uh, he walk up on me, he, you know, he say, uh, you, you shorter? I said, yes, sir. And so he, he take me to the bus. And then when we get back to Mexico City, where we, where we resided, he told me, he said, Shannon, I don't have much money to give you. I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I got $500. But I'm gonna put the ball in your hands, and this is gonna be a great opportunity for you. So, um, I mean, all you can ask for is opportunity. I wasn't really, really, really stressed about how much money I was making because I felt like if I take advantage of this opportunity, on the backside of this opportunity, it's gonna, it's gonna be a hundredfold. And so I was, I was, my mom wasn't working at the time. You know, it was a very stressful time back at home. My brother that had cut his hours at, at work to like 14 hours a week, something insane. 
And um, so it was a very stressful time. So I sent my mama like $350. I give my tithes to the church. And then on the rest, I just say. And um, I did really well that season. I led the league in scoring. I get a call to go to Argentina for a deal worth like $15,000. So from that, it just, just took off for me. And nine seasons later, I'm here. So, and I want, I want those who are watching to kind of see the – um, the struggle of where we are right now as uh, as a people, and I've often said um, I've often said this, and I believe this to the depths of my being, that we stand on the shoulders of giants. Um, the ancestries that we come from have endured um, tremendous pain, um, tremendous heartache. Um, tremendous struggle and have come out on the other side. And so I continue to uplift and continue to encourage people that no matter what you're going through and whatever season of your life that you may be in, the fact of the perseverance and the faith that is required to come out on the other side of it is what will take you through whatever you're going through. And so when you're listening to a story like Shannon of going, you know, in 2011, going from this particular place to where you are right now, mm. a seasoned professional basketball player. Mm-hmm. So tell me some of the things that kind of kept you keeping your head in the game, because it's easy um, to get discouraged. It's very easy to say, you know what, okay, well, you know, I've been doing this two years, three years, five years, six years. I'm still not where I want to be. A lot of people check out on life. For sure. A lot of people say, you know what, it may, it's just, maybe it's just not meant to be, mm-hmm. and they go on to do something else. So what has it taken for you to kind of keep your head in the game and continue to strive forward? Um, I got people that look up to me, especially when I was down and up. I had, I had little cousins. I had little homies in, in A-Leaf that looked up to me. And um, I knew my family. I knew the joy it would bring them by getting to this certain point that I am in my life right now. And I, and then uh, the, the underlying thing was this. I'm very passionate, like very passionate about what I do. Like you can say you love something. You can say you this is what you want to do. But it's a difference in, in, in saying you want to do it and, and, and being very passionate about it because yeah. it, it comes with a certain uh, amount of work. It comes with a certain amount of fruit that you're putting out. And so them 5 a.m.s, those 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 late nights, those 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 nights where I was crying to my mama, talking to my mama, those tears I had in my eyes, that was from the passion I had for it and knew what I can get out of this game, so to speak. And when you're passionate about something, you're not going to fold just because you get one no or just because you get some no's in a row. You know what I mean? When you're passionate about something, um, you know what it's going to take. And and I always revert back to the scripture in the Bible. I think it's Proverbs 16, 26, where it says... Um, a man's hunger will, will his, his, a man's appetite will work for him. Mm. His hunger will urge him on, right? So when you when you when you hungry for something, you gonna keep going. Now now let's let's sit there, right? Okay. Because um, I'm gonna tell you a perspective that I have, Shannon. I am trying to utterly dismantle this system of perceived victimhood of Black America. Victim mentality. This victim mentality of Black America sure. that the reason why we can't achieve high levels of success are because of this and because of that and because of this and because of that. Mm. So, what my um, my platform is, I think what we need to do is change the perspective or change the paradigm. Mm. Because I know too many successful black people that have overcome tremendous odds from A to Z. Name whatever you may name. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have overcome from A to Z, and they have gone on to accomplish great things. Now, here's what I do believe. I do believe that we need to redefine um, our definition of success. Mm-hmm. And success may not be making a million dollars. Success may not be living in River Oaks or whatever particular neighborhood that you may consider to be affluent. Success for a lot of people is providing a stable home for their kids, mm-hmm. uh, being an honorable person, uh, honoring your commitments. That's success. So I think what we have to be able to do is to redefine success. And I tell a lot of people that, you know, not everybody can live on the 50th floor. Not everybody can be the president and the CEO. Somebody's got to take out the trash. Mm -hmm. Uh, Martin Luther King said, if you're going to be a street sweeper, then be a street sweeper so well that the angels in heaven look down on that street and marvel at the ones who cleaned it. So whatever you're doing, you have to do it to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. And we have to stop taking our cues of success by what the TV tells us. So if you don't have this particular car, if you don't have this amount in the bank, if you're not doing this, this, or that, then you are technically, by the world standard, not successful. So what I'm trying to do is shape the paradigm so that we can look at people 
who have overcome issues and have gone on to do great things. So mm. we're bringing people like a Shannon Shorter. We're bringing people like a Pastor August, like a Dr. Wycliffe. We're bringing all these people onto the set so that we can start to change the perspective. Mm-hmm. Because Pookie and them and those who are splattered all on the TV 24 hours a day to say this is black America, mm-hmm. that's not black America. Right. Black America is strong. Black America is, is ingenuitive. We are inventive. We are, uh, we persevere, and we can do great things. And so, when you hear people like yourself tell of the story of how you had to persevere, one of the things that I know about you is, and this is where I want to kind of drive the conversation, is the point to where God had in your life. Mm-hmm. As black people, we have had an unshakable bond with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are. We, we believe in God. Mm-hmm. We believe in God. And kind of talk to your belief in God and about how that helped you to get through some of those most trying times in your life. Um, I really got to thank my sister for that. Um, she prayed for me a lot when I was, when I was a, you know, coming up as an adolescent, when I was a, trying to do things that I shouldn't have been trying to do. Um, she prayed for me and prayed for me some more. And she fasted for me, and uh, she brought me to the church. You know, she she put the word in my life, and so seeing her her um, discipline and obedience, it it you know it really struck a chord in me. So when I came to Bethel's family, those uh, few services I came to before I joined the church, past August really I felt like was speaking like directly to me, mm. and um, I got up. You know, I joined the church, and I wanted to commit myself to this. I didn't want to be a hypocrite to the word, as it says, and I wanted to really be somebody that was a light to people around them and just inspire people around them. And the word really sticks with me. You know, when I'm down, when I'm high, when I'm low, when I'm in between, I go back to the word. And and I feel like, like I believe Moses said, it's like a fire in the, in my bones. You know, and I gotta I, I gotta I gotta read, I gotta meditate, I gotta study this word because of everything that's going on in life. You know, it can. It's, it's. I believe it says you can run to him. He's a strong tower, and you'll be safe. Mm-hmm. And 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 I, I really take that to heart. And um, I mean, it's just it's just the word really just resonates in my spirit to a point where if I'm not in my word, I feel you can feel it. I feel weird. Yeah, you know, you can I feel, feel it. like okay, what you doing? Because it, it it gives you a lot of points about how you can operate in life. And I feel like you can't go against that. So when you're talking about the Word of God and talking about how it influences and how it has influenced you, um, I believe right now in this season where we have, like we're in a perfect storm right now. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have turbulence on all sides. Um, and this, 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 this place that we're in right now as a society is really causing people to um, re-examine themselves. Right. Uh, to really look at themselves in the ways that um, otherwise we would not have done. Sure. It's, it's almost like God is forcing not just America, but individuals more specifically to really take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves some very, very hard questions. Hmm. And some of those hard questions that we have to ask ourselves, and we got to have an answer for it, yeah. is what is it going to take for us to get to the next level, right? And I've, I've been on record as saying is that black America's answers lies within black America. Um, the hope for black America is in black America. Black America is more than sufficient enough to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. And so when we're looking at where we are right now as a nation, how do you, how do you merge um, what you see going on in the culture and how do you merge that with a biblical worldview that keeps you balanced? Um, I think it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective for me. Um, so as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So with what's going on in the world, like I said earlier in the, in, in the interview, that um, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, so if you diving in your word and you really meditating on your word, you'll see what God's telling you that, like, okay, this has already came. It's been pandemics in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. So, so now how we react to this, that's on, on, on I feel like, uh, each individual. And I feel like you got to ex- ex- exalt a certain level of love to your neighbor rather than showing hatred to him, rather than showing animosity, rather than showing jealousy, envy, whatever the case may be. I feel like if you love your neighbor like you love yourself, it can really shift your, your perspective. Like with the incident with, with um, George Floyd and how... 
the whole world came together for one incident. Mm-hmm. No matter what race it was, we all came together because of the impact his 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 um, his death had on the the world as a whole. People not liking each other, whatever the case may be, but it, it, it sucks. It had to be a death to bring people together. But his name not gonna go in vain. So I think it all goes back to 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 loving your neighbor and being of service to people. You know what I mean? God called us to be of service. He didn't call us to serve ourselves. He he told us, "I didn't come to be served, but to serve." Absolutely. You know. So if he's he's the and, and it says he left us a, an example. If he's an example, if he's the Almighty God, and this is who we look to, if he can serve, why can't we serve? So, so Shannon, so, so let's, let's follow that. Let's follow that thought. So when we're talking about the service to individuals and to mankind as a greater, greater whole, um, we do have a collective responsibility. Each generation, I believe, has a collective responsibility to make it better for the generation that follows them. Mm-hmm. And I believe that every generation, at least in my generations, um, have done that from my great great grandfather to my great great grandmother, all the way up into my mother to where I am right now. Mm-hmm. So each generation has a collective responsibility to leave the world a better place. And we all have that responsibility. Now, how did that work in the world as a collective whole relies on the individual? Mm-hmm. So here's how that looks. If you are a if you came from a single parent household and you understand the struggles of a single parent household, then I believe that there's more incentive on you to make sure that your kids don't come from a single parent household. For sure. Right. But so I believe that there is a collective uh, an individual assessment that I believe is missing right now in our world. And this thing that we have going on collectively as American citizens, and not just us, I guess it's a worldwide phenomenon, is that we're not taking too many close um, inspections of ourselves. Mm-hmm. For the Bible says that each man should examine himself. Mm. I can't examine Shannon. Mm-hmm. I can't examine anybody in this studio. The first person that I must examine is myself. Mm. And I got to have some real conversations with myself. I got to have some real conversations about the discipline that it would take. To getting up at five o'clock in the morning, to putting that work in, and maybe I don't want to get up at five o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. on that particular day, but how do I continue to push myself to get to that level? So those hard conversations that need to be had within, mm-hmm. I believe, is missing. Right. And so when I put individuals, and we talk about individuals like yourself and others who have overcome um, circumstances and situations to press through to press through in order to get to the other side. One of the things I want to talk about to you is what kind of core values do you possess mm-hmm. or does it possess to get to that end goal called uh, success? Um, first thing first, I think you got to have a belief. That's the, that's the uh, I feel like that's one of the, the number ones is just believing in yourself. Because if you believe in yourself, it, it, it can like push you forward. And then, and then that belief in yourself, it really allows you to, I mean, it allows you to have confidence. And when I say confidence, I don't mean it in like a cocky sense. I mean it like in how Peter and James prayed for boldness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, in the face of adversity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That boldness you got to have to maneuver through this world we call life. And then um, secondly, I say you got to be a man of integrity, a man of, a man of principles, a man of your word. You know what I mean? Because... Um, I believe in the Bible it says righteousness and just is is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And it says he will uphold you by your integrity. You know what I mean? And that integrity is who you are. Who who are you when nobody's watching? What are you doing? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you what do you what 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 are you putting in your spirit? And if you if you're a man of integrity, a man of principle, um, you can stand on that. You can stand on the fact that okay. I know at my core I didn't make this decision based on emotion, but this came from a decision based on 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 principle. So, Mr. Shannon Shorter, so we talked about um, you know not making emotional decisions, mm-hmm. making uh, rational decisions. Now let's let, let's kind of hitch on to that train and kind of see where where God will take that, because I believe that is an absolute important point that we must solidify. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of emotional responses that are going on. People are highly emotional now. To to um, uh, not to say that their emotions is bad. Mm. Okay, emotions are not bad. They're given to us by God. But to make emotional decisions without first sitting down and thinking about those decisions will ultimately come back to hurt you in the long run. Mm-hmm. And so the emotional responses that we see happening in our land right now are emotional, mm-hmm. but it's not being used to push the needle forward or to drive the agenda forward. 
So there's a lot of things that are going on, but not a lot of things that are going on that's going to progressively help us in the future. Mm -hmm. And so as a person that's got four kids ranging from 20 to 15, I'm thinking about what the future looks like for them. How do we move the needle forward, policies, reformations, whatever we need to do in order to make the world a better place for the generations that's following us? Mm. So to that degree about making, not making emotional decisions, uh, further talk about that a little bit in, in regards to your own life. Um, well, like, um, I just think emotional decisions can really be a, a detriment to you rather than a benefit. And if you're moving off principle, if you're moving off what... Um, was laid on your spirit obedience to god is 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 a value and i say that in the sense of i've been i think i've told you this i was meditating through first samuel and just studying david and um david he didn't move off emotion because he could have he could have many times killed saul yeah yeah absolutely many times even when when he had his companion with him trying to convince him to kill Saul. He said, nah, this is the Lord's anointing. Yeah, absolutely. He held him in high regard, even though that this was man was yeah. after your life. Yeah. And that really spoke to me in the sense of that, that, that sticking to the core values of what God spoke to him, that, okay, I know as you king, you're going to be king of Israel. You know what I mean? You're going to have to go through some things. You're going to be on the run. You're going to have to go through all this. But it's going to come ultimately back around for you if you just stick to what I told you. And... um I just I just think emotional decisions are, are, are a detriment to to an individual in the sense of that it's not who you it's not it's not it's not allowing you time to really self assess really self analyze the situation you just moving off just yeah, yeah, just yeah. just the strength of uh yeah. you said go so I'm gonna go yeah. And I don't think that's that's beneficial at all. Now, we see that going on right now, uh, especially in our world today. So knee jerk reactions that are happening all across the board. And so one of the things that kind of not kind of, but one of the things that grounds me is, you know, if the Bible is going to be true, the Bible is going to be true. Mm -hmm. If the Bible is not true, then the Bible is not true. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to choose which side you're going to be on. You can't straddle the fence. Right. Either you're going to love God or you're going to hate God. There's really no in between. Absolutely. So either we got to take the word of God in its full context mm -hmm. and God is sovereign and God knows everything and God loves us and God, before anything happens to me, it's got to first go by the throne room of God. Either I believe that or I don't. Hmm. Now, if I believe that, I respond differently. Right. If I believe that before a problem gets to my doorstep, it first went by God who allowed it to come to me, hmm. then I respond to whatever that situation is differently. Hmm. If I don't believe that, if I don't believe that, if I believe that I woke up and this just happened to me and this is just how life kind of does me, then I respond correspondingly. Mm -hmm. But if we look at the Bible from Joseph, who was sold into slavery, who was accused of rape when he didn't rape a woman, he spent 13 years in prison and then eventually went from the pit to the palace. I know it's a nice sermon topic, but either that's true or it's not. Mm. And the Bible says clearly five times in the life of Joseph that God was with, with Joseph. Yeah. So either God is a God who allows things for the benefit of the working out of our character or things just kind of happen to us arbitrarily. Mm -hmm. And so where we are right now in this world, Shannon, and, and I'm glad that this has come up, is that we're at a pivotal point in time in our history, in our time, where I believe that the decisions that are being made are not being made um, with the end goal in mind. Mm. They're being done to satisfy the flesh. Mm. You know, me throwing a bottle through this window or me setting this building on fire satisfies me for the moment. Right, exactly. But it's going to hurt my community in the end mm -hmm. because now the store that I just burned down is no longer in my community. And so now I got to travel outside of my community to go to the store mm -hmm. because in that moment I was emotional. So how do you bridge... How do you how, how do you corral, if I will, if you will, your emotions to bring them in line to what the word of God has said? Um, that's a good question, Pastor. Uh, I, I, I strongly believe that you got to be filled with the spirit, um, setting your mind on the spirit and not on the flesh. And that's an everyday battle. Every minute battle. Because yeah. the devil's going to continuously tempt yeah, you. Yeah, He's going to yeah. continuously test, test yeah. you. You know, Paul said he had thorns in his side from Satan. So. I think it's a, it's a it's, it's a, a conscious effort to say, okay, I'm gonna take up my cross today, and deny my flesh. Whoa, nah, nah. I'm a, I'm a, Go ahead. It's a, it's a conscious effort to to say I'm a, I'm gonna be a follower of Jesus 
from from this second to this second, this minute to this minute, hour to hour, and and it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of, of uh, obedience, and it just takes a lot of meditation in the word to be able to be. Again, it's what are you putting inside of you? Mm-hmm. What are you putting inside of you? Because what you putting inside of you is going to show. And, and it's going to eventually come out. Right. Whatever you're putting on the inside is going to eventually come out. For sure. And you said something very powerful, man, and and that is this deep core belief that there has to be something that drives you, something that wakes you up, mm-hmm. uh, something that says, I got to continue. I want to quit. Man, it's hard. This is difficult. But there's something in front of me that I'm trying to get to that will not allow me to quit. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if people don't possess that, mm. if you don't possess whatever that whatever that particular switch is that, you know, when I hit this brick wall, I want to quit. Mm. Man, I don't see life happening. Man, I don't see this happening. Man, man, man. And there's such a tendency, the easy part is to get frustrated. Absolutely. To say, you know what? Maybe it's not it. Maybe that's not it. Right. You know, you said something about your mom, not that she was giving up on you, but that she was looking at life. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's been a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I don't see no movement. Right. Right, and that's nothing detrimental to what your mom said, but that's a life moment. I, I don't see anything happening right now. Mm-hmm. Let's try something different. Right. Okay, but the internal fortitude that you have uh, and had that chasing your dreams, that your dreams was right there in front of you. And no matter what it was going to take to get to this particular goal, that's what you were willing to do. And that speaks to that discipline and that speaks to that core belief that you possess. And that's what the word of God is right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Shannon, I, yes, you've done great things in your life, but at the foundation of it all has to be your relationship with God. Absolutely. It has to be your firm belief that God is who God says that he is and that either he's going to be God all the time or he's going to be God none of the time. Mm. And so I believe that's one of the things that I hope that we can begin to start to talk about as a community, that we have long since in a starting and progressively getting further and further away from the things of God. Mm-hmm. People are abandoning church in record numbers. Uh, we're getting smart. We're getting educated. Now the Bible is not enough. Now the Bible is archaic. Now the Bible is this. Now the Bible is that. And we're getting further and further away from the things of God. The thing that kept us as a people the thing that our grandmothers and great-grandmothers uh, prayed and, and fasted for, that thing that held families together, is now being abandoned in record numbers. And so I want to speak to that on your life because I know from how I've known you over these last seven to eight years that the Word of God has really held a pivotal point in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and so if we can communicate that to the masses, how would you say stay the course? How would you say to the people who are watching, who are watching, that feel discouraged. Mm-hmm. Man, life ain't moving fast enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still in the same position that I was in two years ago. Mm. I don't see I don't see the needle moving in my life. What's your encouragement to those people? Um, one, I think you still should have a, a sense of uh, joy. And I say that because in Ecclesiastes it says, um, in a day of uh, prosperity, rejoice. In a day of adversity, consider. God has made the one in the other. Hmm. Right. So that, that 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 struck a chord with me. And that was very deep because it's like, OK, you're going to go through some highs. You're going to go through some lows. But it's the same God. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it, he, the same yesterday, day, forever. It ain't never going to it's never going to shift. It's never going to change. Rain fall on the just and the unjust. So it's all about, again, like you said, perspective, perspective, how you how you view the situation that you're going through. Uh, one of the most powerful um I guess you can say sermons in the Bible for me is a uh, job when all the adversity came upon him, all the trials came upon him. He had a mourning phase, but right after that he worshipped. Yeah, and that 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 was like very like powerful for me because it's like he understood who God was in his life. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be in His name. So I think one for one is all about perspective. Excuse me, perspective and how you view the situation and 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 what you feel like. Um, if God, if God is putting you through this, the reasoning behind it, and et cetera, and you don't need to know those answers. It's just the fact that, okay, God, I know you're a faithful God, and I just want you to show yourself faithful. And then, two, I think you need to have consistent output, consistent output. Mm. Like, you can't, and when I say that, I say that from a sense of, like, okay, I, I, I study Warren Buffett. You know I, I, you know, I read a few books on him. I watched a few YouTubes on him. One thing that sticks with me that he said was routine is the heart of your life. Yeah. You got to get yeah. you a routine. You yeah. got to get yeah. you something that um, can keep you going. My routine, I wake up at 3.30, I meditate, read, do all that. First workout at 5 a.m. 
second workout at eight, then the day progresses. Um, and and so consistent out, and that was my routine eight nine years ago when I was down and out too. You know what I mean? Consistent output, consistent effort. I have a friend named Toby. Um, he's a rapper. He puts out um, a music video every week, mm-hmm. one music video every week. And um, his mentor Eric Thomas told you know I'm, I'm sure 18, you know who, yeah. who Eric Thomas is. Obviously, he is big on consistency, big on on um, continuing your effort, continue knowing your why. Like you discussed, and and so if you have consistent effort, I feel like the Bible is is very evident when it says it reaps what you sow. Now, now, Chana, let's talk about that because if I have consistent output, if I'm consistent, my consistency, whether that's good consistency, is going to bring me positive results, For sure. and bad consistency is going to bring me negative results. Mm-hmm. So you know, consistency is on both sides, right? Right. So if I do good consistently then there's a high probability that good will come to me. Mm-hmm. If I consistently do bad consistently, there's a high probability that bad will come to me. Right. So whatever your particular consistency is, uh, life is about a series of seeds that we plant. Mm-hmm. right? So every day you are planting, you are receiving whatever you sowed in the ground last week, last month, last year. Mm-hmm. Life is always about a harvest. So whatever you are receiving in life is ultimately drawn back to the seeds that you have planted in life. Mm-hmm. Okay, And so consistency is either I'm going to get up and I'm going to do positive consistency or I'm going to get up and do negative consistency. Mm -hmm. And whatever consistency that may be, the results will show itself accordingly. And so I think that is profound. And one of the things that I think that we need to kind of hone in on, even with our audience watching, is that consistency, that routine, whatever that routine is for you, has to be done with the end goal in mind. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you hear the old saying that Rome was not built in a day. Right. Uh, but many of us don't like that because we're living in a microwave generation. Mm-hmm. We want it now. Exactly. I want to be rich now. I want to be out of debt now, right? I want to be this now. So we don't necessarily look at planting seeds because seeds take too long. Mm-hmm. I want it now. We're into quick fixes. And that's this generation and this culture that we currently find ourselves in. So when you're talking about the 5 a.m. workouts and going all the way to 5 p.m. and work out over here, work out over there, doing it with consistency because an end goal is in mind, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's an idea, Shannon, that gets shot down very quickly. Yeah. Because not a lot of people have that kind of internal fortitude to stick to something time after time after time after time and not see the results that they think they're getting. So how do you encourage people? Yes, it goes to a, a, a belief in who you are, a belief in who God is, but it's very difficult to encourage people who have a quick mindset. Mm-hmm. They have that I, I, I want it now mindset. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to talk that person off the ledge. Right. So we're in an area right now where you being a young black man who is a successful black man, uh, who has achieved some some milestones in your life? You got some goals up there on the wall, and you begin to check the boxes off mm-hmm. with an ultimate goal of being in the NBA, right? For sure. Okay, and and, and me and my brother, we are desperately praying about that because mm. this brother needs to be in the NBA like yesterday. But you have achieved some things in your life, right? Okay, so as a black man in America, Shannon, please hear my heart on this. Um, if you were in a time machine. Mm-hmm. And you're going through the channels of time, starting in 1619 when we landed at Plymouth Rock to 2020. As a black man traveling through time, you're able to look down and see all the particular earmarks and years. Mm -hmm. As a black man, where would you say here? Hey, hold on, driver. I want to get out here. Would it be in 1619? Would it be in 1850? Would it be in 1920? Or would it be in 2020? Um... It'll definitely for me, I think it'll be in um, during the civil rights movement. I just think that was a powerful time for the black man. Just the just the way Dr. King and Malcolm X and um, you know even the Marcus Garveys and etc. How they galvanized the black community to come together to really just believe in themselves and just say, okay, I have a voice. I'm not just a uh, somebody you can just throw in the field to pick cotton, you know and um, just, I just really, I really wanted to meet Dr. King. Mm-hmm. You know, that's somebody, him and Malcolm X. I read books on him for sure. And I just think that was just a powerful time for the black man. 
And I'd rather I would would really want to be a part of that. So my, uh, Martin Luther King is by far one of my heroes. You guys, if you listen to any sermons, I'm pulling. Uh, tidbits of the 500 plus speeches that Martin Luther King did in his life. Uh, But my reason of bringing that point up, Shannon, is because we're living in an age right now um, where there has never been a more better time to be black in America than now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Black prosperity is going through the roof. Uh, Black owned businesses are going through the roof. Uh, Black home ownership is going through the roof. Uh, Black economics is rising at record rates. Um, We see things happening in the black community that are extraordinary. And I believe things that are worthy to be highlighted Mm -hmm. that we see um, right now. There are four point five million black people that have four year degrees. One point three of those four point five have Ph.D.s and beyond. We're seeing black people make tremendous strides in this in this nation. Now, does America have its issues? Warts and all. Absolutely. You traveling around the world extensively, as I have traveled around the world extensively, we have a viewpoint outside of America. Mm -hmm. We have a different perspective because we've engaged other cultures. So we've seen how other people do. We've seen other family structures. We've seen all of these different things. So we have a very unique perspective that a lot of people don't enjoy. Mm. And that should drive our worldview, that America is not the all in to all. Okay, there are many other things going on out there. But the reason why I wanted to have people like you on the podcast is because it is my heart to show successful black people that have overcome odds, adversities, and to give everybody watching hope that, man, life may be dealing you a bad hand. Uh, You may not be where you think you should be right now at this particular time. Some things could be going wrong in your life. All of these things that we could list. But what I want black America and every American to know, uh, every person to know, is that black America never needs handouts. Hmm. Uh, We don't need sympathy. Uh, We don't need the victimization. Uh, We need black America to stand up and rightfully assume it's God-given place. Hmm. We are the only people on the planet that literally tried to be wiped off. And we came through shining on the other side. And so what we're trying to do, Shannon, and to those who are watching, is change the perspective. Mm -hmm. So the images that you see on TV, um, all the stuff that we got going on, if Black Lives Matter, uh, and they do, do you know what we have to do, uh, Shannon? We got to change our music industry. Hmm. We got to change the entertainment industry. Black men have got to stop misogynizing our black women. Hmm. We got to start honoring each other the way that God has intended for us to honor. Hmm. So in order for us to really move the needle forward so that the generation is really making a way for the future generation is for us to look in the mirror and say, okay, well, we can do this, this, and that. Okay, I I, I got this going on over here. How do I persevere through that? And so with you, I want to ask you, as you have uh, talked about your life, talk about the struggles of not having your father and what it did in your life. Your mother, who's a great mother in which I've met many a times, uh, no doubt has an insatiable love for her son. Um, you're now at a place in your life to where you're able to take care of your mom and to stand in the gap for her in many respects. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what I want to highlight, that there are black men out there that are really doing some positive, some great, some magnificent things And it's high time that we start highlighting those individuals Hmm. to show the potential of where we can be with just a little bit of an adjustment with my discipline, Hmm. with a little bit of an adjustment of going back to the word of God, to a little bit of an adjustment to say, I got a dream. What is it going to take to accomplish that dream? And so I want you to speak on just for a little bit about what is your hope um, as a black man in America? What do you want to see happen? Um. I, I, I just want to see. Um, first of all, first of all, I think we need to get back to the family dynamic. Mm. Um, in a sense of, you know, black men need to look in the mirror mm. and say, okay, I may have messed that up. I may have not been the best in that time in that situation, but it's still time. Yeah. And the Bible tell you make the best use of time because the days are evil. You know, and that's one. I'm big on family. Mm. You know what I mean? I think. Is no greater love than than the, the love you get from your family. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And 
Um, that's one of the, the big issues for me. And then I just think we should all have a spirit of, of service to the next individual, the next generation, you know. And, you know, you know me, Pastor. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I do a lot of stuff as far as, like, the basketball camps mm-hmm. or, or my food drive or the turkey giveaway or the scholarships I give away, you know. It just goes back to the service to the the generation beneath you, just, just the service to the individuals that look up to you because – um, if you can just give them a little bit of inspiration, just a little tug forward, and they remember that, okay, Shannon was here for me. He, yeah, he, yeah. he blessed me with a scholarship. He yeah. allowed me to, to I wouldn't say allowed, but he, he helped push me forward through college. Um, that's something I think people don't don't forget. Now, when, stop right there, Shane, because I want to make sure that you lay that out. Because one of the things that we're talking about here is what are you doing to impact society? Hmm. And so you are giving back. And, and and for all those watching, I'm an absolute testament that this brother gives back to his community, gives back to his church family. Um, because I believe one of the things, and correct me if I'm wrong, is because you see what God has done in your life. And the things that God has allowed you to do, and you using your life as a platform to spurn others on to greatness. Mm-hmm. And so you definitely give back. You definitely give back. And so what's one of the reasons why you do that? Like, what's the purpose of giving out college scholarships and right. giving out turkey dinners and doing free basketball camps? Right. Um, what 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 the scholarships is because I knew the situation I came up in. If I didn't have a basketball scholarship, I knew it would have been very very hard on my mother. And I don't know. If I, I just don't know what the situation would in, would have entailed. So I know, like in these communities around around Houston, you know the South Parks, the the Southwest Side, the Fifth Wards, whatever the case may be, it's a lot of it's a lot of a lot of mothers like you know my mother who are comfortable being uncomfortable in a sense. Yeah. They make it look easy, but yeah. they're very That's a good you word. know they're very uncomfortable yeah. for sure. And I just feel like if I can be of service to just help. You know what I mean? Because I know what I came from. I know those situations I came from. I know when we was in A-Leaf on Spice Lane, it was me and eight of my cousins on the floor. You know what I mean? So I know situations where it's like, okay, I don't know if, if life's supposed to be like this, mm-hmm. you know? And then just, just just the service, I just have a big heart, you know, because of what God has done in my life. I knew when I was down and out, uh, just going through high school, when I wanted to go to a basketball camp and my mother couldn't afford it because I get, didn't get invited, I feel like, okay, like, where is this money going? Like, you a multi-millionaire. Like, I just want to be involved in the camp, you yeah, know? Yeah, So just to have a free basketball camp, have trainers come out that work me, work with me, and then have people that are, like, young entrepreneurs come and speak to the kids just to give them enlightenment and let them know, like, okay, I've been in the situations you've been in. You can come out of those situations. It's just going to take a little discipline, yeah, a little yeah. change of the, of, of the perspective. And and you can push yourself forward. Um, so that's really the basis of, of you know my foundation is just to just be of service to others and just uplift others and just just allow them to understand that okay, this person invested in my life. He invested in my life because he believed in me. And if you believe in somebody and, and they can that can just I feel like just a belief from somebody that one you may not even know or somebody that you do know it can push them forward to say okay I can finish this out. Shannon, you don't know how much I'm enjoying this uh, uh, this this conversation right now, man, because it's just resonating um, in my spirit, man. And at the end of the day, we can all look back at some foolish decisions that we've made, some stuff that we shouldn't have done. But the grace of God has covered us in those areas. Mm-hmm. And God has covered us in those areas so that we can learn from them. Absolutely. So we can take those lessons from whatever that issue may have been and use it in our progression in life. And so, you know, I believe that the biblical accountability is something that is missing. You know, the the, the story of when Jesus uh, came back and he called to account the three servants. Mm. He gave one five, he gave one four, and he gave another one two. And one says that he gave one five, another one two, and another one one, whichever story you're looking at from Matthew or Luke. But he comes back and he gives, he asked those three servants to give an account for what God had put in their life. Mm. But the Bible says that he had went away for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then he came back. And he asked the one that he gave five to, what did you do with it? And the guy said, Master, I went and doubled it. I got 10. He said, well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. What did you do with the two that I gave you? I went and got two more. I got four. Well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And then he got to the guy that had one. And the guy that had one said, Master, <laughs> hold on. He began to start lay out these excuses. Mm-hmm. He said, Master, I knew that you was a hard man. Mm. I knew that you reap what you didn't sow. So guess what I did? I wanted to be safe. 
I went and hid your talent. Hmm. Here it is, the one that you gave me. Now, you got three different people, all given talents according to their own ability. And God called all of them according to what he put in their hands. Hmm. And so he says, listen, I can't blame where I came from. I can't blame the neighborhood that I grew up in. I can't blame the system of, say, my father wasn't there. I can't blame this, that, or the other. I have to work with what's been placed in my hands. And I think if we can get that message across corporately, not just to African Americans, not just to our people, but just in as, as a whole, that whatever God has placed in your hand, you got to work that. Mm. And you got to find ways to work that. And plant seeds of consistency. Implement some discipline. Put some goals up on the wall. Say, this is where I want to be next year. This is where I want to be two years from now, whatever it may be. And so as I'm looking at a young man like yourself that I've come to love over these years and watching your journey of progression, man, it's been fascinating to sit back and watch um, because I believe by lifting people like yourself up and putting them in front of the camera and saying, here's the standard. Here's what we can do. Here's what we can do. Let's disregard the messages that are being plastered around about who we are and what we think we need. Here is the power of who we can be. And Shannon, I believe when we begin to start doing that message consistently, man, we're going to do great things in life. We're going to do not only great things, but we're going to do God things in life. Mm-hmm. And so let me end with this. As you're looking at um, 2020, everything that's going on from every direction, we have, as you started off this conversation with, some opportunity. There's an opportunity at hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, For whatever reason, God has used this George Floyd death to not only hone the eyes of America on itself, but it's put the eyes of the world on America. Mm -hmm. And so America is at this proverbial fork in the road. And America has to decide which way she's going to turn. So as we look at the opportunity that is lying before us, and you're doing a lot of it now with your grants, with your foundations, your scholarships, and things that you're doing to impact uh, lower-income communities and to give some hope to otherwise hopeless situations. But as you're looking at what's going on right now, what do you consider is the prime opportunity that has been set before us? What is that opportunity? Um, The biggest opportunity, I would say, is just to um, just educate yourself. Educate yourself right now on what's really going on. Educate yourself on why um, the black man or the black individual feels the way they feel. Educate yourself on the, on how you can, you know, help uplift certain communities that are being targeted by police officers, so to speak, and how you can uplift the youth, you know. And um, I feel like just if you can just educate yourself on these parameters, the the world would be a better place. You know, I, I believe Drew Brees came out and said something as far as um, a few weeks ago said, uh, is, I'm paraphrasing now, but he said that I would never kneel in regards to the flag. Mm-hmm. But again, it just comes back to education because that's not, the, that's not the basis of why we feel the way we feel. We feel the way we feel because we've been systematically oppressed for X amount of years and to get this this oppression to the forefront, we're gonna kneel because this is a country that says that every man is free. This is a country that says um, 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 we treat each other as equals. And the black man feel like he's being less than because of the way we're being treated and being targeted by a certain demographic. So Mr. Shannon Shorter, man, it has been an absolute privilege and a pleasure, man. Um, Brother, I love you um, with a God kind of love, man. I'm so proud of you and what you've been able to do, of course, through God's help to get to where you are. Um, And I want to kind of encapsulate why, again, I brought you on the show and why I wanted to present you to the world um, as a successful black man. Because one of the things, uh, Shannon, talking offline, um, that I kind of, not I kind of, I push back on the idea um, that this America that we live in is so systematically unjust to the black man and um, so oppressive to the black man that we can't do great and magnificent things because we're systematically held back. Now, can we skip down the yellow brick road and sing Kumbaya? No. Do we still have a lot of work to do? Yes. Uh, We still got to be able to close the economic gap that exists between the have and the have-nots, the educational gap. We got to do some judicial reform. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done within these United States. 
Um, but as I shared, you don't see any other place on the planet where people are risking uh, life and limb to get to the shores of America. Well, they will literally cross the Atlantic Ocean or literally um, uh, go through um, extreme heat over several miles from Guatemala to Honduras to Mexico uh, just to get to these shores and the borders of America. And so my question has always been, as I kind of play these things back in my mind, is, is America the perfect place, the place uh, where we can all just kind of come along and sing together? Not necessarily, not necessarily. But do I believe that America presents the best opportunity, and let me talk within our context, for black Americans to achieve? Absolutely. Um, with all of my travels around the world, I can undoubtedly say that America presents the best opportunity for success as it relates to the black man. And so when we're talking about systematic oppression and, and systematic issues, uh, we can point to those and we definitely have to address those in conversations like this. Um, but I think one of the things that we need to really put our attention on is the potential of the individual mm. and the and the motivation of the individual mm. to achieve whatever success that may be. And again, maybe we have to redefine success, but to look at the individual and say, individual, you can mm -hmm. and not look at the individual and say, you can't because of. I believe it's incumbent upon us to look at people and say, you can, regardless of whatever situation that you may be in, you can. Mm -hmm. Now, here's some ways that you can do it. Now, we got to be honest, Shannon, and say with that, it's going to come some obstacles. Mm -hmm. Going to come some challenges. That discipline, that self-fortitude, that inner belief, those are things that's going to be required for us to do what we've been called to do. And so, man, I want to thank you for joining us on here. Again, uh, everybody, uh, I'm going to bring uh, this This podcast was created to bring these kind of issues to the table. And we are dedicated to bringing, uh, having the conversations that need to be had um, in a perspective that people can understand and hopefully kind of drive the conversation to a place to where we can all be better at the end of the day. And to your point about self-service and serving the other man and serving our fellow person, I believe if we can all get to a place to where we understand our particular role as it relates to life, then I believe each person will be able to intersect with the next. Mm -hmm. Because I understand what you've been called to do. You understand what I've been called to do. You don't infringe on me. I don't infringe on you. But as we cooperatively come together for the good of all humanity, I believe that this world can work in a much better way than it is right now. So, Shannon, I want to give you the um, give you an opportunity to kind of wrap up some last uh, thoughts and can give us some information on your foundation mm -hmm. um, and give us some of the teams that you played on, too, so we can know what we need to be looking at. <laughs> OK, um. I'm start with the teams. Well, I just signed my my contract to go to Japan this year. I'll be playing for the Shiba Jets. The Shiba Jets. Shiba Jets. They are uh, a very powerful team in Japan. They won a championship in 2018, lost in the finals uh, last year. This year, obviously, the pandemic slowed everything down, but they was in a great position. I'm playing for a coach who coached me five years ago. You know, so it's a blessing. We have a great relationship, so we understand each other. We know. Um, what each each other expects out of the season. So I'm I'm looking forward to the opportunity. It's a great opportunity um, just to win another championship. I played in South Korea uh, the last two seasons. I played. I won a championship in 2018 with uh, Hyundai Mobis Phobis. You know that was my first championship after going to the championship three straight years. So. You know, I feel like LeBron when he finally got his first one. <laughs> um, and then this past season, I played for the ET Land Elephants, and then I left and went to Greece and played for for um, Pauk. Um, that's a very historical team in Europe. Um, so I was, you know, I was excited to do that. You know, their fans are very, very loyal. Um, prior to that, I played in Australia for the Adelaide 36ers. We played in the championship. We lost. And then after that, I played in Lebanon for a team called Al Riadi. And that was a phenomenal experience, just the fan base in Lebanon and just my coach and just the relationships I built, you know, and just being able to um, understand, like, history, you know, going to these certain places where you, like, like when I was in Greece, I was in Thessaloniki, and it didn't really trigger my mind until mm -hmm. I really thought about, okay, mm -hmm. Thessaloniki, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, like it, yeah. it was weird, and I was yeah. like, man, this is 
you know, pretty phenomenal. So I did some, you know, research and I did some sightseeing and and um, it was a very exciting time. Um, prior to Australia, I was in China, and um, that's just like a different experience. Like some like I'm I'm always humbled by like being in situations where I wouldn't expect to be be in. And in China, I didn't expect it to be the way it was because you're only seeing what they show you on TV. Yeah. So when I was there, there we were. Um, like in the trenches So it was like Kind of like Okay I wasn't expecting this But I mean We uh, had I had a great time there And I learned a lot it, it And it gave me Like a different perspective On like life To a certain degree um, My foundation um, It's called It's Only Right It's Only Right Foundation And um, The basis The core value Of the foundation Is just to be of service To the community um, the, the scripture That we use To you know Kind of Um be the be the whole of the foundation is uh, John thirteen seventeen. Where where Jesus, after he washed his disciples' feet, he said, "Okay, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them." And that really speaks to me in the sense of, um, I know what God called me to do. I know what he what what my purpose is to to myself and just to the people around me, and just to be of service to others. Like I said, is just a blessing to me because I see the joy it brings to the individual. And so that's why we give our scholarships. That's why I have free basketball camps. That's why I have um, the back-to-school drives and, and the turkey giveaways. And, I mean, I just want to want to grow in, in in the foundation and just add other things where it can become more of a, a worldwide United States thing rather than just locally. And that's just my vision for now for the foundation. Mr. Shannon Shorter. You need to wear your uh, championship ring next time so you can show them the championship ring. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for joining us here on Studio B, your weekly, bi-weekly podcast. Make sure you join us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Go to our YouTube page and then click subscribe. Go to the right, click that little bell to make sure that you don't miss any topics that we will be discussing. Thank you very much for joining us here on Studio B. Bold, balanced, and relevant. We'll see you next week.